VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And welcome to Crosstalk here on VCY America. Today is a special broadcast, and I hope you'll listen, that you'll be encouraged, that you'll be challenged, and uh, that today's program will make a difference in your life. Islam has, uh, has a grip that doesn't want to let go on a person's life. Many are entrapped with threat of great consequences if they would ever cease to be Muslim. Well, today we're going to meet a man who was born and raised a Muslim, one who has come to true freedom and forgiveness and faith in Jesus Christ, and now actually proclaims the gospel to Muslims around the world. Joining, uh, joining us here today in studio, we welcome Michael Girmi. Michael was born in Iran into a Shia Muslim family, found faith in Jesus Christ, and now actually proclaims the gospel to Islamic nations. Michael, thank you for joining us here today on Crosstalk. Thank you, Brother Jim. It's an honor to be here. We're going to learn more about your testimony, and you were actually born into a a Shia Muslim family. First of all, help us understand, what is the difference between Shia and Sunni? Well, uh, when Muhammad died, there were two candidates uh, that they wanted to be successor of Muhammad to take over the Islamic uh, Caliphate, and uh, one of them was Ali, and another one was Abu Bakr. Ali was the cousin of Muhammad, but Abu Bakr was a friend of Muhammad. And uh, so some people have followed Ali, and they started Shia religion. And and some followed Abu Bakr, and they started Sunni uh, Islam. So it was all about power, and uh, they deceived each other. They tried to take over the power. So it was all about power, who Who's going to be caliphate? Who's going to be on the power? So um, they were divided to two groups, Sunni and Shia. Do they believe the same? Do they both follow the Quran? They both follow the Quran and Muhammad, but they have some um, different traditions they have. Uh, for example, in Shia, they believe in 12 Mahdi, and Sunnis don't believe in 12 Mahdi. And um, so we have a lot of traditions in, in Shia. They follow mostly traditions rather than the following the Quran itself. Okay. A lot of traditions, for example, um, on the day of Ashura, which is a religious day, most Muslims should go on the street to do self-harming. So they cut their bodies. They use swords and, and torturing tools like chains to hit on the back and stab the sword on head so that blood, blood might come out, so that Allah might have mercy on them. And they pray to... Uh, Imam, the third Imam called Hussein. Uh, so they cut their bodies. Did, for you, Imam. did you participate in that? I did participate, hitting my uh, my back with with chain every year. So because I was seeking salvation from hell, I thought that, that that's the way that you have to do self harming, that uh, Allah might have mercy on you. You know what? All uh, false prophets of Baal did. You know, Elijah uh, called. Um, you know, Ahab and all the false prophets of Baal, and they said, pray, you pray to you, to the Baal that he might send fire from heaven to burn the altar, the, the offering, and I'm going to pray to Jehovah, see who is the true God. So uh, when prophets of Baal, they prayed till noon, there was nothing, no answer. And after noon, they started to cut their bodies, and the blood came out of their bodies, and that's what exactly they did, and there was no answer, but... Elijah prayed to the Lord, to the Jehovah, God of the Bible, God of heaven, and God sent fire from heaven and devoured the offering and the altar. And uh, so that's what they do in Islam, in Shia religion. They cut their bodies every year. They think that by doing that, Allah is going to answer their prayers and forgive their sins. We're going to learn more about this, and specifically your life. Uh, Tell us what it was like, though, growing up in Islam, in Iran, what was life like for you and your family? I grew up just a year after the revolution in Iran, and uh, still Iran was a good country. Uh, but by then, because Shah in Shah's time, Iran was one of the richest countries. We had freedom. We had everything, lots of wealth. Uh, but when Ayatollah Khomeini came in 1979, and I was born in 1980, just a year after, so still the condition was good, and we had... Uh, 
uh, Iran was in a good situation with economy and everything. But slowly, after one or two years, uh, we started to have war with Iraq for eight years, and that brought um, you know destruction and poverty into our country. And I grew up, you know, uh, with fear fear of enemies coming to our country, and uh, so it was it wasn't a safe place to live. And um, as a child, we had in school, uh, the government would give us a bottle of milk and pistachios and everything everything to, to students free. Education was free, but slowly um, they took away all the uh, uh, compliments and milk and the pistachios that they would offer to, to students. And the, the government was going down. The country was in economy was going down and everything. So because of um, Islam... Islam brought destruction to our country, so the life was hard. As a child, you were actually warned about hell from your grandmother. Tell us about that. Yeah, my grandmom, uh, when I was six years old, she told me about hell. She said, my grandson, if you die, you might go to hell. The reason that she was teaching me about hell was that she wanted me to be a Muslim, to start practicing. So by fear, uh, she wanted to scare me so I can start praying. So she didn't teach me to love Allah, to, to pray to him, but with fear. She said, when you die, you might go to hell. And I said, what do you mean? What is hell? And I, I didn't know what hell was. She said, hell is a place of punishment where, um, you know, the, there's burning fire, burning all the time. You might go there and to be burned forever. And I said, I don't want to go there. Is there any better place to be? And she said, yes, there is heaven which is a beautiful place where God is and all the angels are and, and good Muslims will go to he- heaven. And I said, that sounds good. I'm going to go to heaven. Can I go to heaven? And she said, yes, but there is a bridge that you have to cross this bridge. This bridge is made of one thin hair, like hair of your head. This is made of one thin hair. You have to cross that bridge. Underneath the bridge, there is hellfire burning. But you have to cross that bridge to go into heaven. And I said, how is that possible? How can I walk on a bridge made of one thin hair? This is impossible. But she said, if you pray five times a day toward Mecca and fast in Ramadan and do your self-harming every year and keep Sharia law, do this and do that, many regulations and everything, she said, you'll be fine. You'll be able to cross that bridge. Mm. I said, okay, can you teach me to pray? So I don't want to go to hell. I want to get saved. So she taught me how to pray. So she said, face toward Mecca and pray like this. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah rabbil alamin ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, maliki amitin and so on. I said, I don't understand what you're saying because I didn't speak in Arabic. She said, she said, that's Arabic prayer. You have to pray in Arabic. But I said, I don't understand Arabic. I, I'm Persian. How can I pray in a language that I don't understand? And she said, well, that's the only language that you have to pray. If you pray in Persian, it's going to be rejected. And Allah would only understand Arabic? Well, apparently, uh, only all people in heaven speak in Arabic. They don't understand any other language. And Allah only knows Arabic. He doesn't know English or or Persian language or German. He knows only Arabic. Hmm. That's the God of Islam. So he's not omniscient to know everything. And he's only limited to Mecca. When you pray, you have to face toward Mecca. If you turn five, ten degrees left or right, it's not going to get to Allah, so it's going to be rejected. So you have to exactly face toward Mecca. He's not omni, um, omnipresent. He's not everywhere. <laughs> you see, this is God of Islam, but our God is everywhere. Amen. You can pray anytime, anywhere, uh, toward any direction. So you had to memorize prayers then, memorize prayers in Arabic, and uh, this was not your native language. What would happen if you even mispronounced a, a syllable or a word in that prayer? Well, I was told that even pronunciation has to be right. If you mispronounce, uh, that would have been rejected. So you have to start over the prayer. So that's what I was right. told, especially Arabic language. You know, it's za, like zalin. Uh, I can't pronounce it right because that's like Arabic pronunciation. I can't say it right. So I was told that it's going to be rejected. 
So you have to pronounce it very right. Yeah. So you wanted to go to heaven, and the only way you're going to get there is to cross this thin hairline that you can cross over. And the only way that you can actually do that is by saying these prayers, doing the self-harm, following Sharia. These were all necessary. So did, did you engage in Were you faithful as a prayer then, as a, as a child? Well, yes, I started to pray from um, when I was a child, as six years old. And I started to pray because I, I thought that I have to do it because it's all about works in Islam. You have to work to get your salvation. So I started to pray and fast in Ramadan and cut my body. And uh, so I was seeking salvation. I didn't know any better because there is no option in, in Iran. Islamic government, when they take over the country, they don't give you freedom to choose to believe in anybody you want. So it's a dictator uh, religion so they want to um, push you they want to force you to believe only in Islam so I, there was no another option like Christianity or or Buddhism or Zoroastrianism uh, so I couldn't research and see what they believe what Christians believe so I didn't have any option so I thought that that's the only way so I had to follow that and you so you followed the laws of Islam as a youth I did wow um, you actually had an encounter with uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, who was uh, became president then of Iran. What what happened? How did that encounter come about? Uh, I wasn't a um, good student as a child, so my I wasn't doing well uh, studying in school. But when I was in eleventh uh, grade, just last two years of my high school, I had a um, good teacher who encouraged me who was very friendly and he encouraged me a lot so he encouraged me to study so i started to study hard and at the end of the year i became top of uh, top student in this school so i became like number one student in this school and uh, so i i was invited to to go to this um um this convention somewhere where mahmoud ahmadinejad was and he was giving all the uh top students a prize so he gave me a watch hmm. uh, so and because i was top student in wow. school now you eventually went to college uh, did you keep up your prayer life in college i did in fact um when i was at at the college i had a um a, one of the students that lived with me in the same dorm and he was a religious leader he was leading the muslims in prayer so we lived together in the same dorm. He encouraged me to more to to pray more. So we went to mosque together and uh, to pray together. So I was even more dedicated, uh, you know, to to Islam, to to Allah, to pray more and do more for Allah in the college mm. because of this friend. Well, there actually uh, came a time that you applied for a visa for Australia. We have just about a half a minute, but go ahead and start start telling us how you went to Australia it's so hard to get any visa to go out of our country because um, because of the name that we carry terrorism and uh, nobody wants to give us any visa so it was hard but uh, it was a miracle that in 2005 and 6 Iranian government had contract with Australian government to send 2,000 educated people to Australia as a work and holiday and so I was able to get um, over a million people applied for this visa. Only 2,000 people were able to get that visa, and I was one of them. Wow, we're so going to come back. We're going to pick up after the break here. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Michael Girmy is with us here today on the broadcast. We'll be back in just one minute on the VCY American Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris author and seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, where did the idea come from that there were little green men who lived on Mars? Chris, the idea that there was intelligent life on Mars was given a big boost in the late 19th century when the American astronomer Percival Lowell claimed that he saw linear features on Mars, which he claimed were canals. Later, it became obvious that the Martian atmosphere could not support advanced forms of life, so they've given up the idea. What they haven't given up is the idea that there might be microbes on Mars, single-cell life. This idea is fueling the modern expeditions to Mars to find water. The idea is if they can find water, then maybe there's life. But while water is a necessary condition for life, it's not sufficient. 
Life is much too complex to have formed haphazardly. It needs a lot more than water. NASA could save a lot of money by going back to Genesis for their starting point. Thank you, Dr. John. This is Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. From Islam to Jesus Christ, our guest today, Michael Girmi, who uh, was born in, in Iran into a Shia Muslim family and uh, sharing his testimony, how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. So, Michael, you uh, had applied for a visa. There was, you mentioned a million people, but only 2,000. You were one of those selected to get to Australia. And uh, so you went. Did, did When you got there, did you, did you live as a Muslim in Australia? Did, did you attend mosque there? Yes, when I um, got my visa, I went home and I told my family that I've got my visa and I'm going to Australia, and they were very upset, so sad, mm. because I had to leave my family and home country to go to a far country. And uh, so my mom put a copy of Quran in a tray along with a bowl of water. She said, kiss this Quran and go underneath it three times so this Quran can protect you. So I kissed it three times, and she poured a bowl of water on the ground as a symbol of health, so I can stay healthy. That's what we do. We have a lot of traditions. We believe in superstitions a lot in Shia. So she poured a bowl of water on the ground so I can stay healthy in Australia. So I left my country, went to Sydney, Australia, and I and uh, I started. Um, I I met a friend who was from my hometown, and uh, I I didn't practice Islam when I went to Australia because. Living in Australia, I I could see that there is something wrong about Islam. I looked back to my country uh, and I said to myself, why is it that in Iran, in Iraq, in Syria, in Afghanistan, in uh, Egypt, you know, there's always fight going on. People kill each other and, and there is no freedom, no food, uh, you know, uh, not, not, not a lot of blessings. And even the nature, it's hot and desert. There is no life, no green no uh, no water, enough water. But in Australia, you know, these people, you know, we Muslims, we believe in God. But these Christians in Australia and Europe, they don't know God. You know, according to Islam, they are ungodly. And I said to myself, but they have uh, all the blessings. They have freedom. They have a, a lot of food. And and um, even the nature is green, beautiful, lots of water and, and the ocean and everything. And uh, maybe I said to myself, maybe their God is a true God. Maybe our God is a false God. So I stopped praying in Australia. But when I arrived there, uh, there was a friend. He wanted to help me to settle down, to find a place temporarily. So he took me to an apartment in a unit that five Persians were living. And um, But I noticed that one of five Persians converted from Islam to Christianity. And I said to myself, this is not going to work because there is an infidel here. There's a Christian infidel. Because to me, you know, Christians were ungodly and unclean. Because we watch Hollywood movie and all the fornications and uncleanness we see in the movie, we think that they are Christians. These Americans are Christians and they represent Christianity. That means Christians have no moral. They, no, they have no values in life and they, uh, they are immoral people. They are ungodly and, uh, you know, filthy people. So I said to them, thank you for offering me your place, but I can't stay here because place, the place was religiously unclean. So I left the place, went somewhere else, found another place to live, and I found a job, and I was working, making money. I enjoyed the, the living in Australia. It was a beautiful country, so I didn't pray in Australia. I just wanted to become just free uh, and live like Australians. However, your visa is soon going to expire. Yes, and that... That caused me to to think um, about a, a way to to get visa, and I tried to uh, to get visa or to extend it. I couldn't. I had to go back. And then there was a friend um, that I was working a part time job in a restaurant. There was a co-worker who was a Persian, but he was a Christian. And he said to me, "If you if you want to, uh, you know, live in Australia, I'll be able to help you." And I said, "Hi, can you help me?" An infidel, because to me he was an infidel. I said, I don't want your help. But he said, if you come to our church and convert to Christianity, you'll be able to apply for a protection visa and stay in Australia. And I said, what is 
protection visa, he told me that, uh, well, if you convert to Christianity, according to Islam, you will be called an infidel. And as an infidel, Iranian government will kill you. And I said, yes, I know that. But he said, Australian government will give you protection visa, permanent residency. I said, okay, I, I don't want to do that. I'm a Muslim. I don't want to be an infidel like you. So I ignored him, even though I didn't practice in Islam in Australia, but I still considered myself a Muslim because I grew up as a Muslim. I practiced for many years. But um, but as the time passed by, you know, after a few days, a few weeks, my visa was about to expire. I had to do something. And I remember something that my father told me back in Iran. He said to me, if you miss a prayer and fasting, you have to pray and fast 60 times more to make it up. So I remember three years in Australia, I didn't pray. And two last years in, in Iran, I, I was applying for a visa and everything. I was busy, so I couldn't practice Islam properly. So for five years, I didn't pray. So I got my calculator out and I put five years times 60. And I noticed that I had to pray and fast for 300 years to make it up. Mm. And I realized that this is impossible. I am lost. I'm going to hell. And there is no way to catch up with all missing prayers and fasting and self-harming. I, I realized that I'm going to hell. I said, so I'm going to go to hell anyway. What's the point of claiming to be a Muslim? At least I can go to church and pretend that I'm a Christian and apply for this protection visa in a stay in Australia. And after death, I'm going to go to hell anyway. So that was my motivation. I decided to go to church first time in my life in 2009. And what did you experience there when you went to church? What, what impact did that have upon you? What did you observe there? Well, first, I was so nervous to go to church because I had never been to church in my life, never seen a church because there is no church in, in Iran, never seen a Bible in my life. So I was nervous. On the way, going to church, I said to myself, how am I going to pray? Uh, do they pray in Persian or in English or in Arabic language? Which direction should I face to pray? Do, do they pray towards Mecca or Jerusalem or towards America? <laughs> So I was nervous. Uh, I thought that they have, you know, uh, the sample prayers that you have to pray and repeat over and over. Because mm -hmm. in Islam, you have to memorize this verse and repeat it over and over. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was nervous. But I, so I went to church, walked through the door, and I was expecting these Christians to be very ungodly and not friendly at all and unkind. But they came one after another saying, uh, welcome to our church and thank you for visiting us and good to have you here. And I said to myself, these people meant to be uh, filthy and ungodly. Sounds like they are good, filthy people. <laughs> They're so kind and friendly people. And I noticed that they were singing and praising God. And that was very different. I was just shocked to see that because in Islam, we don't sing. We don't praise uh, God. We don't have music so all we have to do is we have to go to mosque to to cry so we cry we shed tears and that fear. Allah, with fear that Allah might have mercy on us so we don't rejoice we don't sing unto the Lord so um, but I loved it I could see that these people had a relationship with their God because in Islam I never felt that I had relationship with Allah I because I didn't know what I was saying when I prayed in Arabic so I just wanted to pray say the prayer quickly to finish my, you know, the, the rituals and everything. Uh, so I never felt that I loved Allah, that I had relationship with Allah. But I could see that these people, they were praying in, there was an Iranian church. They were praying in Persian. And they could, they were like, uh, I could tell that they, uh, they had relationship with God. They were pouring their hearts to God and rejoicing and singing. And I loved it. But I noticed that they were praying to Jesus. I said, this is a blasphemy. Why did they pray to a man, not to Allah, to God? Uh, but I could tell that something in my heart said, look, this is good. You see how they pray to, to God in their own language and uh, there's good atmosphere and everything. But um, so, and then they gave me a copy of the Bible to read. They said to me, read it from the New Testament. So I took it home and I started from the Gospel of Matthew the beginning wasn't really good because it says this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Abraham beget Isaac and Isaac beget Jacob and mm -hmm. Jacob beget Judah and Judah beget, beget, beget. I said, this is a boring book. What is this beget, beget? 
But I kept reading it, chapter 2, 3, 4. It was getting interesting, especially chapter 5, 6, 7, and Sermon on the Mount. It was just, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't help but to rejoice and to see that this is different. You know, Jesus said, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Uh, to Muslims, that makes sense because we had to love our neighbors, our fellow Muslims, and hate our enemies and cut their heads off and kill them because Islam tells us, Quran tells us to kill infidels and ungodly and non-Muslims, kill them, mm-hmm. destroy them, curse them. Uh, so I, I grew up cursing America and Israel a few times a year because that's what they, they told us to curse America and curse Israel. And I apologize for that because I didn't know any better. I was cursed with Islam. But thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ has lifted up the curse from my life and he has blessed me. He has blessed me with all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I rejoice in Jesus. You actually read through the entire Bible. I, I read the Bible. Yes. I, you know, Jesus, as I'm, I was I was mentioning that Jesus said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, mm-hmm. bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you. I said, wow, this is this is great. This is amazing because in Islam, you don't uh, you don't find the word love in the Quran. The love is not mentioned, but the God of Bible is full of love. Love your enemies for God so loved the world and so on. God loves us for he is God is love. And uh, so I I read the New Testament. I said, this is not enough. This is filling my heart. I, I don't want to put it down. I read even, I started from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelation. I finished entire Bible in a month time. In one month, I finished entire Bible because I could, I could see that somebody was speaking to me, a person. I could tell that this is not a book. This is a person talking to me and telling me all, my, all about my life. And, and I just enjoyed it, reading the Bible, but still... I was lost, no changes. Uh, after reading the Bible, I could tell that Jesus uh, was the Son of God, but I didn't understand it. Still, I wasn't saved, not born again. So I knew that there is an answer in the book. I needed a, a man, somebody to guide me, to help me to know what I needed. I needed assurance of salvation, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But this church, sadly, didn't tell me how to be saved. There are many churches everywhere that they don't preach the gospel they don't preach hell they don't preach salvation from hell so this church um, they took me to uh, to a fountain of water but they didn't tell me how to drink it mm. you know there was they were preaching Jesus and everything and God is love but they didn't tell me how to receive the love of God how to receive eternal life so I was still lost uh, after reading the Bible and going to that church for a few months Take us, uh, what, what was it then that brought you to that point of salvation? Uh, take us up to that special day in your life of August 29th, 2009. That was the date when uh, somebody introduced me to Pastor Keith Piper, Pastor of Liberty Baptist Church in Sydney. So uh, I went to this Baptist church and this pastor, he spent five hours with me. Uh, he explained the gospel. He told me who Jesus was, how Jesus can be the Son of God. And he told me about four things. He said, uh, Michael, if you die tonight or sometime, do you know 100% for sure that if you would go to heaven? I said, I'm not sure. I don't know how to be sure of going to heaven. He said, would you like to be sure? I said, yeah, of course, because I always try to seek salvation and to be sure of eternal life. I want to know that. We're going to pick up with this uh, right after the break. Michael Girmi is our guest here today on Crosstalk and uh, sharing his testimony from Islam to Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to pick up with uh, that special day that happened in his life, August 29th, 2009. Back in just one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk. in the Swiss Alps, Lucian, a lonely, frightened 13-year-old, is overtaken by catastrophic events as he causes little Danny to fall off of a cliff. Lucian finds himself an outcast with his family, his school friends, and especially the very hostile Annette, the sister of Danny. Danny, I've told you not to talk to Lucian. He'll only hurt you again. Bitterness and anger set in. As Lucian finds solitude in the nearby woods, he comes across a woodcarver who helps him find the peace he was looking for that not only changes his life, but that of others as well. 
You may be able to run away from the village, but you can't run away from yourself. Treasures of the Snow quickly captures the heart. It's a story of friendship, forgiveness, and redemption. Treasures of the Snow is available on DVD for a donation of $16 or more by calling VCY America at 1-800-729-9829. That's 1-800-729-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, praising God for a life changed by the gospel through Jesus Christ. Michael Gearmy is our guest today, sharing his testimony. And uh, if you've uh, just joined us, uh, was uh, born and raised in Iran into a Shia Muslim family, followed uh, Sharia, followed the, uh, the uh, prayers of Islam, and uh, did everything he could to try and please Allah, but recognized that he was not being successful in just that. The Lord took him to uh, Australia, where it was there that uh, he uh, got involved in, in a church. He heard uh, the, the, the Bible was given to him and uh, started reading the Bible, read through the whole of Scripture in, within a month's time. Uh, and uh, actually got connected with uh, Liberty Baptist Church in Sydney, where a pastor sat down for hours to share with you the gospel and how you could know for sure. He asked you that question, do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? You could not give a positive answer, could you? No, I couldn't. And he asked me, he said, would you like to be sure? I said, yes. I, In fact, I lived with fear of going to hell all my life. I want to be sure if there is a way. And he said, Bible tells us how we could be sure of going to heaven. He said, you need, you need to know four things to be sure of going to heaven. He said, number one, that you need to know that you have sinned against God. We all have sinned against God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And he took me through Ten Commandments, and uh, I realized that I had broken them all. So I was a sinner. And he said, number two, you need to know that there is punishment for sin, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. So I realized that uh, there is a wage, there is a penalty for sin, which is death. But he said there is another death in the Bible, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death, Revelation twenty fourteen. So there is second death, which is lake of fire. That's what that's where we deserve to go to. He said yes, but uh, but we deserve to go to hell. God is just and He's holy. He has to uh, punish our sins and He has to deal with our sins. But He's also loving God. He's merciful. He prepared the way of escape from hell. The number three. You need to know that Jesus came, the Son of God. He paid the penalty of our sins. He died on the cross. He went to the, through the suffering of the cross he, to pay the penalty of our sins, to be our sacrifice. So, um, so he took our punishment. He said, number four, what do you have to do to be saved from hell is you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner, uh, that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins and rose again, but then you have to receive him. Receive Jesus as your personal Savior because you're a sinner. You are on your way to hell. You need a Savior. You don't need religion. You don't need to do good works to go to heaven because it doesn't work. Good works never cancel your sins. Uh, Your sins has to be paid for. And Jesus is the only person who paid the penalty of your sins on the cross. Muhammad didn't pay for your sins or Buddha didn't pay for your sins or other religious um, people, nobody paid for your sins but Jesus. And uh, so you need to receive Jesus as your Savior. If you do that, there is a promise in the Bible. John one twelve. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll be one of the sons of God. You'll be a child of God that's called being born again. And he, he told me about Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to save you from hell, Bible tells us that you shall be saved. Amen. That's a guarantee. I said, this is wonderful. This is so easy. Uh, why is it so easy? He said, because God is love and he made it so easy that even a child can understand that simple message and get saved. In fact, Jesus says, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So I said, Pastor, I want to do that. I want to call upon Jesus' name to save me from hell, and I don't want to go to hell. I want to receive him as my Savior by faith. So I, uh, I closed my eyes and I prayed. I said, Lord, 
I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died for me. Would you save me from hell and take me to heaven in Jesus' name? And I pray that I could tell that something big happened to me. The peace and joy came into my heart. And, you know, for 26 years, I prayed to Mecca, to Allah, and I never had peace and joy. But on that day, August 29th in 2009, for a minute, I didn't pray over a minute, just one minute to the right God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, when I prayed uh, to Jesus, I could tell that the peace that I was looking for for many years, it came to me. It came to my heart and, and joy came to me and I was just rejoicing, shouting for joy and praising God for salvation. So it changed my life and I, I went home. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I went to church to abuse you to get this visa. I don't care about visa anymore. If you want me to go back to Iran to, to get this message, simple message to my people, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I said, I, I don't want to be average Christian. I want to serve you. Would you use me? So I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and okay. and he started to use use me. Did you contact your parents? Did you tell them? I did. I, I called my parents, and my mom picked up the phone. I said, Mom, I want to give you good news. Guess what happened? She said, what happened, my son? What happened? I said, Mom, I, I became a Christian. I'm so happy, so excited. She said, what? I said, I'm, I'm a Christian. I became a Christian. I'm so happy. She said, how dare did you become a Christian? Who brainwashed you? you? You've been going out with somebody, with infidels, like Christians, that you they brainwashed you? So she got so angry. I said, Mom, I love you, I, uh, but I, I asked Jesus to save me, to forgive my sins. And he did save me. He forgave my sins. He gave me eternal life. I said, Mom, I love you, but, um, you know, uh, I need to follow Jesus. And you need him too. He died on the cross for your sins. And he is your only savior. You don't need religion. You don't need to pray five times a day toward Mecca. Jesus can wash away all your sins if you receive him as your savior. But she rejected the gospel. I called her many times. She kept rejecting the gospel. So I, uh, I knew that the phone call is not going to work. So I prayed. I said, Lord, maybe one day if you can help me to go on satellite TV and preach the gospel so my family can see me on TV and get to hear the gospel. Well, let's talk about what brought you here then to the United States, because you were in Australia. What brought you here to the States? So last year, I had a phone call from Christian Radio International, Dr. George Zaris. He, he called me. He said, I've heard about you, and I want you to come to United States and uh, to record the gospel messages, and I'm going to deliver your messages through satellite TV into Iran. And I just couldn't believe it that after eight, nine years of praying, the Lord answered my prayer. Wow. So he brought me here and I was able to go to a CMI building in Georgia, in Atlanta. And I recorded messages there and we started airing the programs into Iran since last summer. So people have been listening to my, um, my sermons and on TV and also radio. And even my family, some of my family members, they... They saw me on TV. They said, we saw you on TV. So they've been watching. Hmm. And my cousin and my brother-in-law, even some of my relatives have been watching me on TV, satellite TV. They've been listening to the gospel. What kind of response have you had to this broadcast? You just started not long ago. How, what, have you had response? Yes, I have had uh, many responses. And, uh, and uh, people have been calling me. They've been uh, trying to... Uh, learn about Christianity, so I've been able to call them personally on Skype and witness to them a few hours and explaining the gospel. And I have seen um, uh, like over a thousand of them coming to the Lord on Skype, and I've been able to disciple them. So twice a week I disciple these new converts through Skype. Amen. Amen. Uh, you now have a, a ministry, and people can actually follow you. You have a website? Yes, I do have a website, and it's called besharet.tv slash English. I'm going to spell that out for you listeners. It's besharet.tv slash English. That's B as in boy, E-S-H-A-R-A-T dot TV. Besharet.tv forward slash English. Now, we'll be putting this on our website here today with our write-up for today's crosstalk, so you'll have access to it. But uh, there, people can see your teachings and and uh, even learn more about not only your background, but on witnessing to Muslims as well, correct? Yes, that's correct. 
Very good. That's Besharet, B-E-S-H-A-R-A-T dot TV slash English. We're going to open our phone lines right now on Crosstalk. If you'd like to speak with our guest today, Michael Gearmy, our phone number is 800-733-9829, 1-800-733-9829. Perhaps you've got a word of encouragement for our guest. Uh, maybe you, there was something about his testimony that that will that that has prompted a question in your heart about salvation in Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe you're one listening today who is following after Allah and finding that uh, that uh, it is not the truth that that you were looking for. Uh, pick up your phone, give us a call here today on Crosstalk eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. We likely have people listening right now, Michael, who are wondering what is the best way to witness to a Muslim. Uh, here, um, what guidance do you have on this topic? First of all, when you share the gospel with Muslims, uh, they're not going to receive you and accept it because um, they don't believe that Jesus died on the cross because Quran teaches that Allah saved Jesus. So he put a look like Jesus on the cross. It looked like Jesus died on the cross, but the true Jesus ascended up to heaven without seeing death. So, um, what is the gospel that Jesus died according to scriptures and he was buried and he rose again. So they don't believe uh, the gospel. They don't believe that Jesus died. So if you share the gospel, tell them that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, they're not going to accept it. So what you have to do is uh, that you need to uh, tell them, uh, you know, that we go through six steps, which is on my website six steps the first step is um, the mistakes in the Quran because they tell you that the Bible is corrupted because Bible teaches that Jesus is God mm. and Quran teaches that he is a prophet so therefore the Bible is corrupted uh-huh. because they're not the same uh, so they conclude that the Bible is corrupt, corrupted not not the Quran so you need to prove to them that the Bible is not corrupted according to even the Quran the Bible is not corrupted according to the Bible that God promised us to preserve his word from this generation mm-hmm. even forever and jesus said heaven heaven and he- um, earth shall pass away but just my tell word. us the other steps and then we'll encourage people to go to your website sure uh the first step is ma- major errors in the quran mm-hmm. that we go through mistakes in the quran prove we, we want to prove to them that the quran is corrupt mm-hmm. corrupted and there are many mistakes and the second one uh we go through um who allah is the true God of the Bible is Jehovah, uh, and that's not Allah. So is Allah and Jehovah the same God? It's not. So that's second step. The third step is comparison between Allah and Satan and Jehovah, God of the Bible. We compare their messages, which are not the same. They have different messages. And the number four, uh, how can Jesus Christ be the Son of God? I explain the Trinity and how Jesus can be the Son of God. Then fifth step is uh, God the Son in the Old Testament. Jesus existed even before he was born in Bethlehem. And the last step is uh, how to be sure of eternal life. In the gospel tract, we use stop tract. It's called stop tract. We go through the, the, the gospel messages and and after those explaining those six steps, then, then it makes sense to them that they could see that there's mistakes in the Quran. Allah is not the true God, but the God of the Bible who appears to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and Moses. He said, I am. My name is I am Jehovah. Mm-hmm. And um, so we go through the gospel at the end, not from the beginning. Folks, you can, and maybe we've got to have you come back for a full program just on that aspect. But uh, friends, uh, you can go to the website uh, that is Besharet, that's B-E-S-H-A-R-A-T dot TV slash English for more information on that. We will uh, come back to phone lines right after the break. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Stay with us as you listen to a special broadcast today from Islam to Christ. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. I was recently interviewing my longtime friend, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, and I was quoting to him his own words from his own book, Hitler's Cross. In this book, Dr. Lutzer documents historically how the head of the SS, Himmler, wanted his troops to be involved in, well, incredible debauchery and crimes and cruelty. 
so that he could accomplish a couple things. One was to sever their conscience. Another was to make them break away from their old values and that of their faith and their family and to alienate them from their family and friends so they would now bond with this new group of people that had also carried out these horrific acts. My friends, how is that any less the psychological op going on with our children today where we sexualize children in our schools with, well, stuff we couldn't even read on the air to encourage them to be involved in behavior that will accomplish the same thing as Himmler thought to do with his SS troops? This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Michael Gearmy is our guest today on the program. We're going right to the phone lines, taking your phone calls here today on Crosstalk. We're going to begin with David calling from Wisconsin. David, you're on the air. Hello, Jim. i just like to um, tell your guest, Michael Gearmy, that um, he's been an inspiration to me. Sometimes we go to church, um, we have fellowships, we have friends, uh, we sing the songs, but the way Michael was describing um, his conversion and how the Lord led him to believe that he's had this burning desire. And um, it, it makes me want to appreciate what God has done for me that much more, that I go to church, and I'm not going to take it for granted. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, David. Appreciate your sharing that. Uh, Susan is calling from St. Louisville, Ohio. You're on the air. Uh, hello, and yeah, thank you, Jim, for having Michael on. And Michael, just thank you so much for your testimony and it just how it just plays out, you know, when we get saved, we, we want to tell our families, and he wants to get the message out to his people and to all people. And and I was just going to also say, um, yeah, I hope, you know, I'm going to try to keep you in my prayers, and I hope, you know, the Lord does bless his testimony and, and you know, gets the message out. But I was going to say also, I think I heard him on Unshackled, his story on Unshackled. So that's my question for Michael. Were you, was your story told on Unshackled? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was just told uh, on a recent uh, April 2019 edition of Unshackled, I believe it was. Okay. Well, thank you, and God bless you. And I appreciate your prayers. You're welcome. Thank you. you. Monticello, Kentucky. Zach, you're on the air. Hello, brother. I just want to say to to Brother Michael there, your your testimony has absolutely blessed my heart today. Amen. And uh, I just thank you for for sharing the love of Jesus through the radio and uh I'll just never forget that day, January 29, 2017. I'd, uh, I'd been playing church for six or eight years, went and got baptized and thought I was saved. But I'm just thankful that day he uh, he spoke to my heart and told me mm-hmm. to come. And he saved my soul that day and set up shop in my heart. Glory and, brother, God. I just thank you so much for sharing the gospel. Amen. Appreciate Amen. you all. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Uh, we have Tim calling in from Mitchell, South Dakota. Tim, you're on the air. Okay. I'm glad to hear this, and I, a Christian, and I have a friend who wanted to become Islam, and I'm wondering what I can do to keep him from doing that. How to keep a friend from turning to Islam? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Tim, our, our guest, Michael, just shared that in brief. Uh, uh, what, what is the best way, Tim? I, certainly, we talked about the the way of sharing the gospel. But uh, I know your website will be a help to Tim as well. What else would you have to share with him? Well, if you go to my website, I've got all the teachings and everything. So you can download um, the PDF format of uh, these six steps uh, and also to go through my video to watch them and learn how to witness to Muslims. That's what I, I would yeah. advise. And 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 uh, certainly you were overwhelmed by the friendliness and the joy and and the caring of others, that is also a way he could be Absolutely. an impact. You have to be a living witness for the Lord, and you have to be a living gospel. Mm-hmm. They could see Amen. that uh, you're different than others. They could see the love of Jesus Christ in you, that they might come and listen mm-hmm. to you what you say. But if you just act like worldly people, they're not going to see the changes in you. They're not going to trust you. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. And we'll be giving out the website here before the end of the program uh, here with our guest. Let's go next to uh, Mary, who's calling from Iowa. Hi, Mary. You're on the air. Yes, I have just one question for um, wonderful testimony. I heard it all and I wept. Uh, I've heard that Isa al-Masi is in the Quran. Is that correct? I'll take the answer off the air. Yes, uh, he's mentioned in the Quran 25 times, while Muhammad is mentioned four times in the Quran. Okay, and so what is the teaching? 
it's teaching a lot about uh, Jesus Christ and how he was born and as as a um, as a baby infant he was able to speak uh, and uh, so there are many teachings about him and about Mary uh, so you can learn from from uh, from the Quran even it calls um, the Quran calls uh, Jesus as the spirit of Allah and then word of Allah word of God and spirit of God well that tells me that well he is God according mm-hmm. to Quran if he, if he is the word of God if he is the spirit of God that means he is God um, so yeah it, he's mentioned 25 times in the Quran right. very interesting uh, Michael are you still praying for your family to come to faith in Christ I am. In fact, I was able to lead three of my family members to the Lord six years ago in Turkey. And uh, but I'm praying for my family, my uh, parents. They are they are afraid of persecution in Iran. That's what they don't want to make decision. In fact, uh, the government have been um, uh, interrogating my older brother about me, and they told him that I am a spy working for. Israel tried to destroy Iran. Mm. That's what they told my my older brother. So they are following my 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 family. That's why they are scared to to become Christians. But if they lived in, in this free country, they would definitely turn to Christ. Uh, they are open. So the government there knows about your broadcast and knows what you're doing. Yes, they do know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. They could see me on TV and radio. So that's why they they try to persecute my family because they can't have access to me to arrest me and put me in jail and kill me. So they persecute my family there. That's why my family, um, they don't want to turn to Christ because Mm -hmm. of the fear. Yeah. And that's something you found in Islam is great fear. Yes. And that's contrasted with great love that's found in scriptures and and through God and his son, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Uh Islam is religion of fear. They control people with fear. And if you live Islam, Allah is going to send you to hell. If you do this, do that, you know, if you do any wrong, Allah is going to punish you. And there is no love. There is no forgiveness. Even uh, though, you know, Allah is called most merciful God, that they call it Allah, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, means most merciful God. But he never proved in action that he loves people. But mm-hmm. our God, he proved it. Uh, you know, but God commanded his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. So he proved his love. Amen. But Allah never did. Michael Girmi has been our guest here today on Crosstalk. And Michael, we praise the Lord for the salvation in your life. And, and uh, thank you for coming and, and sharing it with our listeners as well. And, and uh, giving hope for many who are concerned and praying for uh, for f- Muslims here in the States that come to faith in Christ as well. I want to praise the Lord for, for the salvation that he gave me and eternal life. And I thank God for your ministry here that you get in the gospel out. And Amen. it was an honor to be here. Amen. Folks, again, the website, Besharet, that's B-E-S-H-A-R-A-T dot TV slash English. And we'll be putting that up on our website again at uh, crosstalkamerica.com with the write-up of today's program. Be praying for Michael. Be praying in his witness and his outreach that's going out to Islamic nations. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.